As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter 1. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy-to-read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Defend and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Thank you for joining us on Unapologetic. I'm Ruth Jackson. And before we hear from today's guest, just a quick reminder to visit premierunbelievable.com for more shows, articles and resources. And you can also register there for the chance to win a free book. And if you enjoy listening to Unapologetic, then please do consider rating and reviewing it on your podcast platform. But now for today's show. I am delighted to be joined by Phil Knox, an evangelism and missiology senior specialist at the Evangelical Alliance. Phil is also the author of two books, Storybearer and most recently, The Best of Friends. I am delighted to be joined by Phil Knox, an evangelism and missiology senior specialist at the Evangelical Alliance. Phil is also the author of two books, Storybearer and most recently, The Best of Friends. Phil, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Such a brilliant thing to be with you, Ruth. And uh, thanks so much for what you do on this brilliant podcast. Oh, Phil. Well, let's go right back to the beginning. I'd love to know, what was your experience of God growing up? Yeah, so uh, like many people, grew up in an amazing uh, Christian family, amazing mum and dad who both were passionate followers of Jesus. Uh, so dragged to church ever since I was kind of a fetus. Uh, um, <laughs> but for me, recognise I, I probably made a decision to follow Jesus when I was about six, probably. I remember going to like the kind of Christian events that many of us go to, uh, being a very even more enthusiastic then than I am now, um, in a tent somewhere, and someone told me uh, that I could be forgiven for the things I've done wrong, even though I was six. I knew that. I needed that, uh, that I could go to heaven when I die, that I could know Jesus as my friend, I, I could know forgiveness for my past, God with me today and hope for the future. This sounded like the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> and so recognised that was my kind of first decision moment. Um, as a teenager, I recognised the kind of pressures of the world and, and really made my faith my own through that. But also had a bit of a kind of fairy tale kind of teenagers in many ways. Everything was brilliant. Captain of the school football team, school was great. Uh, great church, great friends, great family. But but the rubber really hit the road for me when I was 21. I was at university doing a law degree and uh, I'm having lunch with my mum on Saturday lunchtime. Phone rings and it's a family friend and they say some words that ripped my world apart. They say, Phil, I'm really sorry, but this morning your dad has died. And I'd say for me in terms of my Christian journey, that was the big decision moment really because either dad was an amazing role model he was a great friend he 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 followed he followed jesus since a young age and i could either say god stuff you for letting this happen or god we really need you as a family now and 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 we, we did we led into that and, and if you're listening to this and you're going through the storm at the moment 
my story is that I've known, been a follower of Jesus for over 30 years. The closest I've ever known God is in those first few weeks after dad died. Um, so yes, that's the next bit of my story. And um, beyond that, then uh, I think one of the most amazing things that following Jesus gives us is real sense of purpose and meaning. And so I found that in, in wanting to communicate the Christian faith to others uh, and, and share the good news. So I worked for 13 years at Youth for Christ, literally saw thousands of young people become Christians during that time, which was amazing. Um, but the rubbers really hit the road again for me in the last few years where I've been diagnosed with the same heart condition uh, that killed my dad. And, and there have been moments, especially in the early years of that diagnosis, where I kind of woke up in the middle of the night and, and kind of, you know, you, you think, am I going to die? You know, your heart's beating and, and I can't tell you what a difference it makes knowing that God is with me in those moments. But also, I, I don't know what my future holds, but I know it holds my future. And of course, you will worry about what might happen. So I'm married with two kids. Of course, I'm what might, what, what, worried about what happened to them. But I've got the absolute assurance I go to heaven when I die, and that makes all the difference. So that's a bit of my story. But but I think um, th- those key decision moments along the way uh, have been really significant. Phil, thanks so much for sharing so honestly. And you know, you've definitely touched on some of this already with with those heartbreaking experiences that you have experienced along your journey. And but what I'd love to know is how has that impacted your faith? You know, you touched on the fact that you sort of never pressed in more deeply than in some of those moments but but how have you done that if if anyone's listening and in you know experiencing something similar how have you actually been able to press in and and get closer to God in those moments where often actually the, the experience of people is is to push God away or to feel like he has rejected them yeah I think I think first of all it does you have to choose so I think there is there is a real choice to do that I think also it depends on your view of God and your view of fairness what was really interesting for me was that the the month after my dad died was the tsunami that killed a million people in in southern Asia, and suddenly I've got this one death that has meant the world to me, but yet a million people have died over there. And, and I think you have to realise life life's not fair by by the the standards that the world places on fairness, and you have to you have to come to that reality. But I think the other thing you have to realise is that, and I've realised through the through the, the uh, my pain isn't as extreme as some but through some of my pain is that really it's through suffering. If we really believe Paul in, in Romans 5 that says that it's suffering that produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character hope. We can't, we can't be hopeful people without having gone through some degree of suffering. And everyone's suffering is, 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 on, a, is on a scale somewhere. Mine is not as great as, as, some, as others and, and not, as, not as little as some others. But, but it's through, that, through those moments, I think, that, that, really, that really helped grow us. And and you you do choose you choose either to press in, um to to God and 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 recognise that that life isn't fair. If we if we turn God into some kind of divine butler or cosmic therapist, we end up we end up with running away. I think at that point because he's in those terms hasn't been there for us. But if actually if we do press in and do lean in, my experience is and the, and the experience of countless others is that God is there for us in, in suffering in a way that it is completely different to times of comfort. I suppose you're not necessarily saying that God has made us suffer so that we can experience all of that. It's more that he redeems it. I'm saying that, it, it, I'm saying that life isn't fair and that, and that the world we live in is, a, is, a, is full, of, full of battles as much as it is of blessings uh, and, and that life is hard. God doesn't cause those moments, but we can choose in those moments to lead into him or, or not. And, and my story is that, that I have and, that, and the, the greatest fruit in, in me um, and in and in the power of my story to 
to, to help others through those moments uh, has, has been really significant. So I said at the beginning that you are an evangelism and missiology specialist. Um, what does that mean? Great, a great question. <laughs> I, I have to explain my, 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 my business card an awful lot. I'm an evangelist. Evangel comes from the Greek word evangel, which means good news. So I am a good news person in a bad news world. And, and I want everyone in the world to know the good news of Jesus. And so that's what, that's what an evangelist is. An evangelist is someone who lives that out in their life and also in their words. That's what I try and do. Uh, I work for the Evangelical Alliance, Evangelical Alliance. We believe in unity. We want to speak into every level of society with the good news of Jesus and with real hope. Um, but and a missiologist is someone who studies mission. So kind of my discipline is I want to study the, the the impact of, of God in the world and study how people come to faith and help the church maximize those pathways. And so I spend an awful lot of time talking to leaders, talking to Christians and asking, how are people coming to faith? Diving into the research, how is that happening? And then speaking to the church and helping us all uh, see where God is at work and encouraging the church in those areas because we all have finite amount of time and resource. How do we maximize those opportunities that God gives us to see people transformed with the love of God and, and to be good news people in a bad news world. I feel like I probably know the answer to this question, but um, does evangelism matter? Yes, it, it really is a matter of life and death. If we believe every verse in the Bible that <laughs> talks about the difference Jesus makes in our lives, I think one of the challenges, in, it challenges, challenges for us in the Western world is that we can somehow believe that God slightly upgrades our lives, right? So we can slightly believe, I, I cheesily wrote at the end of one of my book, a, a kind of parody of Amazing Grace which is about average grace. And it went something like average grace, how bland the sounds that slightly improved my life. I went <laughs> to church and liked, liked the songs and now I have to be nice. The truth is it's not average grace, is it? That song epitomizes amazing grace, how sweet the sounds that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. If we really believe that in the New Testament about how good the good news is, then then that's why evangelism matters. It, it, it really does you know, the, the forgiveness for our past, God with us today and hope for our future really, really matters. That's why we need to be good news people in a bad news world. So do you think, I mean, given that you're kind of a professional, in inverted commas, evangelist, um, does that yes. mean that you find evangelism easy, Phil? No, no, certainly not. Certainly not. No, I mean, I, um, uh, I, I give me a stage in front of like thousands of people to talk about Jesus every every day over having a slightly awkward conversation with a friend over coffee, right? I mean, that's, I, but I think that's the experience probably of all of us. I mean, I, maybe maybe not certain public speaking part, but but I think all of us like to be liked, don't we? And we live in a world which is so uh, adverse to wanting to challenge others on anything to do with their worldview, morality, lifestyle. And yet somewhere along the line in evangelism, as well as kind of talking about the good news of Jesus, we say, actually, if we really believe that repentance is a rethink of our lives and a trusting in something other that you're not trusting at the moment, there's a moment where we say, have you thought about life from this perspective? And and so in those conversations, I've got many non-Christian friends who I'm praying for to come to know Jesus. And in those moments, if I'm really honest, my heart beats a bit faster. My mouth often goes dry. I, I, I fear that they won't like me as much. I, I begin to think about the disappointment that they might reject me and, and re might reject Jesus. So certainly not do I, do I find this stuff easy. But I would also say the more I do it, the better I get at it. And to some extent, the easier it gets. You're listening to Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
You've got a great quote, actually, um, in in your book, The Best of Friends, from Robin Gamble, um, where you say, evangelists are not the ones who find it easy. They do not have an endless supply of inner boldness. They are simply the ones that do it. And the more they do it, the better at it they become, which is, you know, kind of what you just said. Um, Yeah, And is that the key then to just kind of get out there and do it, do you think? I think the key is with our friends certainly is to play is to play the long game and so i think if you're listening to this and you've got friends who don't yet know jesus my first encouragement is to pray for them every day so we've got a list as a family i said i've got a wife and two sons and and, and as part of our evening prayer time we will often pray my 10 year olds will pray for his mates in his class my four-year-old will pray for his mates at nursery my wife will pray for her friends on the school run and i'll pray for my, my friends so i think encouraging some rhythms of prayer around that I think then kind of just trying to live a life that reflects Jesus in our generosity, in our compassion, in in the way that we love people. I hope most of my conversations about faith have probably come from a, a moment where people recognize the different lifestyle that I have and the different priorities that I have. Um, and then the next real key is to just be prepared to share our story. So one Bible verse to hang on most of evangelism for me is 1 Peter 3.15 which says always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And on the Unbelievable podcast, that will often look like kind of that kind of apologetic thing. But I think for me, that verse also says to give a reason for the hope that you have. And the hope that you have can be told in your story. So just as I've told my story at the beginning of, of this, this interview, I would encourage us to all think about our story. So that if a friend ever says, why are you a Christian? What? why do you go to church on Sunday? We've got a story to tell. And, and so often I think, I think I've, I've tried lots of, of approaches in talking to my mates about Jesus. The moment where you say, can I tell you my story? I don't think anyone's ever said no. And you have an opportunity to share something of the way Jesus impacted your life. Um, and so those things all could contribute to make sharing our faith a little bit easier. You know, prayer, living the life, sharing our story, making the most of invitation. But also, I would also say the final bit of advice I'd give is introduce your non-Christian friends to your Christian friends, um, e- even if your Christian friends are a bit weird. So we went, to, <laughs> we, we went to a wedding a couple of weekends ago. I was best man at this wedding for one of my mates. And the, this couple aren't yet Christians. And they're well on their way, I think, but they aren't yet Christians. And, and at this wedding, we're another couple of couples who they just met through us over the last couple of years by coming to, coming to, our, coming to parties at our house and stuff. And they begin, that just begins to develop some of the plausibility structures that, that maybe, maybe there might be something to this faith because, because Phil's a bit enthusiastic, but, but there's other people who are slightly different who have God at the center of their lives and they're not that weird either. So I think, I think all of that kind of can, can really help in terms of how we share our faith. You mentioned stories there. Why do you think stories are such a powerful way of doing this? What, why are stories so powerful? I think, I think we're story people. I think the very heart of, of who we are and I think the very heart of history history is a story God's a God's a storyteller God's the author of of every story you know when when Jesus was was seeking to communicate the divine truths of the universe he used story you know he didn't just talk in terms he did talk in terms of propositions I am the way the truth and the life I, I am the bread of life but he also told stories you know when he's that a man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho there was a father who had two sons a man went out to sow some seed God knows the key to our hearts and the key to all of our hearts is, is the same as it has been from the dawn of time because he made us. We're story people. 
And so, so I, so in, in Story Bearer, the book, I talk about the collision of four stories in evangelism. That that God has a story. There's a reason that the Bible is the bestseller of all time. That story, that storyline has an arc, and 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 we're part of that story. We have a story, and it, and we've shared a bit about how we should kind of share that. Um, the other person has a story. The 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 the, the best evangelists aren't just those who 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 speak well they also ask good questions and see in other people's lives where god's at work and our culture has a story we all operate in some kind of context and 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 at the heart of those stories is great evangelism but the story is beautiful and amazing they've done brain scans of of what happens when people um, listen to stories when people tell stories and your brain fires also all, all kinds of beautiful kind of chemicals that, that lock you into attention mate the reason we cry during films the reason we feel so good when the credits roll is oxytocin and dopamine doing their work in our brain when we tell stories the reason stories are so powerful is, is we were made for them and we're part of them so was there a particular moment when you started doing evangelism was it kind of an intentional thing or was it you just realized that you were kind of doing it and then it just got more and more or was there a moment you were like oh maybe i'm an evangelist <laughs> And that, the problem with evangelists is they don't realise that everybody else isn't an evangelist, and and they don't realise how weird they are. So for <laughs> me, for me, ever since I became a Christian as a child, I've always just wanted everyone else to know Jesus. And so I remember really vividly as a as a child, kind of go to school. I got every single lad in my class to come to voice brigades, not because I wanted them to join a club and be with me and play football with me, because I wanted them to know Jesus. Apart from one, there was one lad called Richard Clarkson. So Richard Clarkson, if you're listening and you've given your life to Jesus, I'd love you to kind of encourage me with that. Because I, I wept. I remember sitting on my dad's bed and weeping the day that Richard Clarkson left school and I hadn't gotten to Boys Brigade because I thought I'd missed my opportunity. And, and I only, only as you grow up, you realise that's unusual. But I think there's something, when, when evangelists meet other evangelists, we realise there's something that God has placed in us of this just desperate desire to see people come to know Jesus. And I think, I think, uh, I hope that that brings a gift to the church, you know, um, and, and I think part of also the role of the evangelist within the church is to equip and inspire the whole of the church to say, come on, we can do this, but also to help us understand that most people who come to faith don't do so because an evangelist preaches on a stage. They do so, be, do so because they see the difference that Jesus makes in, in each of our lives through our friendships, through our family members. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the questions I wanted to ask is, is why do you think that friendship is the way that most people tend to encounter the Christian, the Christian faith? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think we're probably almost certainly living in the age of authenticity. I think, I think if you look at who we trust and why we trust them, I think trust in institution, in the expert, is at an all-time low probably. But we kind of trust our friends. I think, you know, trust is, trust is more earned than ever before. Trust is less hierarchical and positional than it's ever been, I think. And I would, I would guess also that, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a marketer, but I would guess that purchasing decisions of consumer goods are, are largely based on peer, re- peer recommendation. You know, there's a reason, isn't there, on, on popular retail websites that, that items have, have five-star reviews or not. And we will trust that probably more than we will the blurb underneath. And I think probably the same is true when it comes to the Christian faith in today's day and age. That if we think, if we're working out which worldview is true, 
which is, what, what am I going to, what are the values by which I'm going to live my life? We probably look at who are the people who are most authentic? Who are the people who have really got this? Who are the people who are really different? Um, and again, go, going back to that, uh, that wedding that I was at a couple of weeks ago, I, I was best man for the fourth time, hopefully the last time. Um, cause it's not, I, it's always a very high pressure job, but I gave my speech and most people at the weddings were not Christians, but yeah, people were coming up to the groom afterwards going something different about that guy. And it's not, that I'm just a good speaker or a good friend. It's because Jesus lives in me. And I think, I think there's something about that kind of peer recommendation around Chris, the Christian faith, because we want to know who we can trust. And this is the age of authenticity. I suppose sort of the flip side of that is that we see, you know, with all the statistics and things like that, that actually Christians are really quite reluctant to share their faith. I mean, why is that, do you think? Do you think it's just because it's a really scary thing? Yeah, and I recognise that, as I've said, in myself. Um, I think there's loads of reasons. I think, first of all, uh, we uh, we might come on to this later, but but we're not we're not as good friends with as many people. So, so for, I, the latest Talking Jesus research, found that 46% of Christians don't know someone well enough to invite them to church. So there's a kind of proximity problem. I think also there's something about um, in, in, many, in many people, when people capture a bit of that amazing grace rather than average grace, there's something when, you get, when it gets hold of you, when the gospel gets hold of you, the power, the, the power of, of, of the gospel just has to kind of leak out. I think maybe for some of us, we kind of, I'm the biggest enemy to evangelism and the biggest enemy to growth is comfort. And many of us, and I include myself in this, can get really comfortable. So we kind of, and then a bit individualistic. So we're like, well, other people can live their lives and I won't interfere with them. I think that's, that's a bit of a factor. But then there is embarrassment. You know, there really is. You know, we are, uh, in some ways, you can be, you fear being a social leper. You feel being, being kind of excommunicated from circles of friends. We all have those very real fears and we fear breakdown. I think we also often feel uncertain, which is why, you know, what, what, what you guys do unbelievably is so important because actually we can fear that if even if we say we're a Christian, we're going to get bombarded with lots of questions we don't know the answer to. I think we also, we're also very busy. Friendship can often be superficial and doesn't dig down into the very depths that we would want it to. But also I think there's something about disappointment as well. I think often one of the things I'm aware of that I don't want to do as much as I should or could do is tell stories of success without telling stories of failure. Because I think often what happens with Christians is they we hear stories where people go, oh, well, that person, you know, told three people about Jesus and they're all their friends came to faith. When we also need to hear stories of people who knocked on a door or asked their friends or something and they said no. Because the reality is, as I have had neighbours and friends come to faith, but I've also had for every one who has, I've got five or six who've said thanks but no thanks. And, and I think we need to, sometimes I think the disappointments that we felt in some friends not choosing to accept our invite to Alpha or Christianity Explored or church, we sometimes say, well, it's not for me. I can't do it. I'll leave that to the professionals. And it's too important and the job's too big to be left to the professionals. So it's interesting that you talk about the professionals there because you've got a quote um, in your book, Storybearer, where you say the task of changing the world is too big and too yeah. important to be left to the professionals. I mean, do you mean by that that in some senses we are all called to be evangelists? I wholeheartedly believe that. And, and actually, I think if you look at the growth of the early church, everyone was involved. Everyone had a part to play. There are some people like Paul who, who got out there and inspired, but 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 there was yeah you know, I think it talks about the gospel message rang out from the from the early church. We all get a part to play in this, and so if you're listening to this, you haven't got a list of friends who you pray for. 
would urge you to, to to begin that list. We all get a part to play, and and let's see what let's see what God does in the way that we live our lives and be intentional with being the best of friends in, in inviting our friends to stuff. Um, and, and because it's the age of authenticity, you also need to know that it's you know you are possibly the only Bible that some of your friends will read. Your, your invitation will will make all the difference, and 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 that comes with great responsibility, but it also comes with a great joy because it really matters. Um, there is nothing like your friends giving their lives to Jesus, and and then and then it, years down the line, going, it was this person's influence this person's story that really helped me um that has for me been the most encouraging thing for me over over the last uh, years thank you for listening to unapologetic i'm ruth jackson and as always you can find out more about our guests through the links with today's show we would love to hear your feedback do drop us an email with your thoughts at unbelievable at premier.org.uk or get in touch via social media And don't forget, there are more shows, articles and resources at our website, premierunbelievable.com. You can also register there for the chance to win a free book. That's premierunbelievable.com. And if you enjoy listening to Unapologetic, please do consider rating and reviewing it. Thank you for listening and see you next time. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com.